Hello and welcome to Red Star Reviews, the podcast, season two, episode six, title yet to come. Um, it's been a while, so it's almost like this could be season three, but not gonna do that. Um, I plan on each season being somewhere around 20-ish episodes, and yeah, um, like said in the not the immediate previous podcast, but the one before that, um, I knew it would be a little while in between podcasts because, well, my uh, child was being born and um, that family always takes precedence. So uh, did not have as much spare time to be able to sit down and record. And normally the times I would have to record are times when I have two babies asleep at my house and, you know, any of you who are parents or aunts or uncles probably know um, if one of the parents is up and talking, the kids want to know what's going on. Um, But yeah, we're um, going ahead and recording a podcast episode now, or at least trying to. We'll see how long this runs and we'll go from there. But thank you to all who are listening. I truly appreciate you. For those who are brand new, uh, my podcast, Red Star Reviews, is a book-oriented podcast about the world of reading, um, focusing on what I'm reading um, or different aspects of book reviews and reading in general, Um, and also what happens to have captured my interest at the time because I reserve the right to talk about anything I really want to. Because at the end of the day, the podcast has to stay interesting for me, too. Um, So today, my goal is just to say hello after so long away, um, to record a podcast, to go ahead and help encourage myself to kind of get back in the swing of things now that we're starting to get out of that newborn stage, and um, just kind of fill you in on some current reading and modeling events. And yes, that is, I did say modeling because I have returned uh, to the wide world of Warhammer 40k to um, paint some minis, and I'll catch you in on that too. Um, But one thing I've not yet done, because the last episode of the podcast that was aired was in November of 2020, so I have not filled you in on how Vintage Sci-Fi Month went after... um, you got to listen to Little Red Reviewer's interview um, in that episode about Vintage Sci-Fi Month and how it was coming up and how we wanted everyone to join. And I also haven't filled you in on um, my favorite book of the year um, for the year of 2020, the one that won the My Favorite Book of the Year award that I give out every single year. Um, so yeah, uh, Vintage Sci-Fi Month was a blast this past year. So many people joined in, um, read, reviewed vintage sci-fi books, and um, if you miss it, don't worry. January 2022 is coming up soon. Vintage Sci-Fi Month, for those of you who have never heard of it, is basically just a book challenge that's not a challenge. Uh, Its goal is to encourage everyone to read vintage sci-fi, and it defines vintage sci-fi as a book that was published before the year you were born. If that restricts too many books or doesn't allow for a bunch of books, 
um, or still feels like it's not vintage enough for you, uh, you can work off of the year anything published before 1979. And uh, just in the month of January, we all just get together and read vintage science fiction books and then share what we learned about it. Um, this past year, I read an Ursula K. Le Guin book, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, the, uh, the book is entitled The Word for World is Forests, and y'all, it really felt like that book could have been ripped from the pages of modern news headlines and written today because she just, Ursula K. Le Guin has an amazing way of finding timeless truths within the stories that she writes and relaying those. And it was incredibly intense. Um, at some points it was difficult to read, but also it was one of the better tellings of a story from the perspective of an alien race or different race might have been an offshoot of humanity, but at least is an alien race um, that I've encountered in science fiction. Because when you read sci-fi, a lot of the times the uh, quote-unquote alien races that you encounter are written by Euro and North American-centric viewpoints. And so it just translates into... Uh, basically a takeoff of South American or African or Asian culture. And that's how we define alien because they're exotically unfamiliar to Eurocentric and North American centric viewpoints, I guess. But, um, and that's, that's always a touch disappointing. You encounter that a lot in fantasy too. But in this case, she created an, an alien concept and mindset that really just kind of was alien. So I was very impressed by that. I, I was very impressed too with how she was showing the important thing is to truly try to respect and understand and comprehend and come to terms with those that are classified as the other. I think that's an important lesson. Um, but Vintage Sci-Fi Month was a huge blast and it is something that we enjoy helping host every single year. And if you want to know more about it, please listen to my previous episode or just message me. Um, and I'll gladly go ahead and chat with you about that. Um, but then next, let's chat about Red Star Review's Favorite Book of the Year Award for the year 2020 AD. Um so, I read a lot of books last year, and there were several that were in the competition in, for my favorite book of the year, including a short story, because um, there was a short story that just really captivated me this past year, and I was like, mm, this might actually win my favorite book of the year, even though it's a short story. Uh, but uh, more on that in another episode, because um, I recently wrote a blog post on that author's work, and I want to go ahead and share about them a little bit more in a podcast soon. But um, that almost won it, and then a few other books really captivated me. And so it was actually a pretty tough competition. 
um, for what was going to be my favorite book of the year. And it came down to just a few that I was going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with and having a hard time deciding. But I went ahead and just, as always, stepped back, waited just a little bit and saw which story really sat with me more and which one still just kind of captured me more and held on to me more and just kept playing at my imagination more. Because to me, that's an important part of the story. Um, It's not just what you just read and how it just hit me. It's also what stays with me and what I can just hold on to and what I can appreciate and something that just kind of carries on after I've turned that last page. It's the story that just kind of keeps plugging away in my mind where I'm like, yeah, but what if? Hmm, wonder if they could have. Oh, could this go here? Could this go there? And it's just things that just sit there in a good way and keep playing at my mind. And this past year, that was actually won um, by a debut author. Uh, I believe this was their very first novel, Essa Hansen who um, was published by Orbit Books, and the book is Nofic Gloss. Hopefully I'm pronouncing Nofic right. That is the problem when you're dealing with sci-fi or fantasy. Um, There's always a risk that you're going to mispronounce something. But Nofic Gloss is incredible. I mean, it literally is the definition of a page-turner. With shorter chapters, and each chapter hits intensely, 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 and just keeps you kind of turning the pages. The book and and the descriptions in the book, it's almost like a sensory overload experience as you're reading the book, because the character in the book, the primary character at several points is undergoing their own sensory overload. So, you as a reader get a feeling, a vague feeling of what it must be like for those who um, deal with sensory overloads on the regular and helps you appreciate what others are going through even more than you would otherwise. Uh, And to me, that's magical when a author can help place you into situations of the others and help you gain more respect and knowledge I guess that's the theme for tonight because that's also how I felt while reading Ursula K. Le Guin's book. But that just goes to show this is a a timeless way, way to tell a story by placing you in the shoes of the other and allowing you to see something from a different perspective and how that just draws can draw you in and give you a deeper appreciation and respect for what people go through and also sometimes give a name and comprehension to what you're going through and let you know you're not alone and no one truly is alone. Um, There are people who also encounter what you encounter and there are people who even if they don't encounter what you're encountering truly love you. Um, So yeah, no one's alone and the concept of the other, uh, we really as a species of humanity need to be more embracing of each other so we can get past just the concept of us versus them and the other. But I digress. No Thick Gloss is an amazing book that raises thoughts like this up into your mind. And it's ultimately the story of, well, I hope you read it personally, so I don't want to ruin too much. But it is the story of a young individual 
whose life is thrown into absolute and total chaos, and they are brutally traumatized right from the get-go of the book. There's massive trauma that takes place inside their life. And then they've got to not only try to grow past that, but they've got to try and sort out what happens next. And in a lot of books, you'll find that massive trauma is used just as a plot device to show why, well, this character is like this, because at this point in time in their life, such and such happened, which traumatized them and caused them to be like this. In No Fit Gloss, Essa Hansen truly shows this character and other characters struggling with the trauma that took place inside of their lives. And it's not just brushed to the side for character development. It's something that they face and deal with and encounter again and again in different forms and have to make decisions, not even knowing all the information, but just trying to make the best decision that they possibly can make at that time realizing any decision they make might hurt them further or might hurt the others in their lives further, but knowing that they have to make a decision and be able to start moving and not just selling short the trauma that took place. Normally, we want our, it seems that we readers want our heroes to be broken to a degree, but normally those breaks get plastered over pretty quickly. Whereas in this book, there's a rawness to the to the trauma and to the wounds that stays with the character in a true way so that you see, again, what people are encountering and dealing with. And to me, that just brought home the science fiction book in such a beautiful and powerful way. And I'm telling you, the story is amazing. It's one that kept me up late at night because I didn't want to set it down because I wanted to see what happened next. And I knew the next chapter wasn't very long. And every time you turn that last page of a chapter and, and look at the new page, you are going to be tempted so heavily to go ahead and just read the next one. So I say have fun. Give that one a shot. Um, it won the Red Star Review's Favorite Book of the Year Award for 2020 which is a highly prestigious award. Um, hopefully one day it might be sought after. Um, but it's one that I truly enjoy being able to give out. I like being able to pick out the best book that I read in a year and be able to talk to you about those books and be able to relay them over to you um, because they are truly some of my favorite books. Um, now, uh, right now, the majority of my reading is taking place um, is mostly uh, Warhammer 40k as I try to move further through the Horus Heresy. Uh, so I currently just today actually finished book 46 of the Horus Heresy. Yes, book 46 um, entitled Ruin Storm, which was a really good book. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Lots and lots of good action and story progression. Um, the uh, I've already gone ahead and started book 47 of the Horus Heresy because the only way to finish a never-ending book series is to keep on reading it and never stop reading it. Um, so I'm trying right now to go ahead and get get further in that series. It's a blast. I'm enjoying it. 
um, mostly right now for the Horse Heresy. Those are my audiobooks that I'm listening to regularly uh, as I have more time to listen to audiobooks than I do to read, and this is a huge series. So trying to progress there. <clears throat> I do apologize for my, my voice. It might be a little bit off from previous episodes. Um, it's not because my voice has greatly changed since November of 2020. Um, it's just more that I started losing my voice a little bit earlier this week. So, um, yeah, it's always the joy of trying to find it, um, to be able to try to find your voice to carry on. But, um, as I'm working through the horse heresy, I also am reading a couple other Warhammer 40 K books, um, to go ahead and just, because honestly, they're fun for me to read. They're easy. But one of the reasons why I'm reading them is I also decided that I was going to delve back into painting Warhammer 40k minis. Um, I love painting miniatures. It If you have never taken the time to paint like a Warhammer 40k mini, they're very small and they require a lot of precision and um, a lot of focus and a lot of good lighting to make sure you get all the pieces. Um, very fine paint brushes, only a little bit of paint. And to me, it's, it's like a meditative moment um, when I get to sit down to paint a mini, um, which finding the time for that is, is also difficult, we'll admit it. Um, but when I get to say, sit down to paint a mini, um, it takes so much focus that it's like, for me, entering a point of relaxation and meditation where I can just focus on that mini. And it is so much fun that I just enjoy it immensely. Um, it really does help me to relax and is just one of the more peaceful moments when I'm getting to just sit there and paint away on them. So that's a lot of fun. I actually started an Instagram account for it. Uh, Red Star 40K, if you want to follow along. Um, the uh, I also um, started a blog site to go ahead and discuss my um, mini painting. And that's a takeoff of my Red, uh, Red Star Reviews uh, website address. You know, I'm redstarreviews.com. Well, that's hosted by WordPress, so I just started a secondary WordPress blog, and it's uh, redstar40kwordpress.com. Um, basically, to me, one of the best parts about the Warhammer 40k universe, besides all their lore and the stories, is the painting of the minis. Even more fun than playing the actual game is getting to paint the miniatures. But... Um, when I've tried this in the past, it, it, you know, I've, it, I've kind of lost some interest in it at times, partly because I'm not able to share just the painting of the minis with many people who are in my everyday life. But thanks to the joys of Instagram and Facebook and various social medias, um, I've been able to find others who truly enjoy painting them and, uh, found some amazing people who are having a blast um, with this online project they've created uh, for the War of the False Primarch, which basically, if you know anything about the Warhammer 40k world, it's set in the year 40,000, right? 
And it's a grim, dark future where everything failed back during the Horse Heresy in the year 30,000. Well, what these people have done is they're looking at the year 32,000. And in the year 32,000, war took place in the Imperium that lasted almost 100 years, where a being came into power claiming that it was a lost Primarch returned to restore the empire. Um, but the High Lords of Terra basically did not want to give up their own power. So it created a new civil war, um, which took up a whole section of the galaxy and lasted for about 100 years. And that's about as much of the lore as Warhammer has ever released. You now know basically entire paragraphs that they have written about this in the official lore. So this group of hobbyists have taken upon themselves to go ahead and create the War of the False Primarch. Um, They have a website for some things are best left forgotten. And um, the basic goal is to delve into this time of the history of Warhammer 40k and just examine it from a few different angles. They've created um, Space Marine chapters that sided with the Primarch, the Partisan chapters, and they're working on the Space Marine chapters, the Pentarchy of Blood that got sent by the High Lords of Terra to go do battle with them. And um, anyone can join in, just paint some of the miniatures up, take some photos of them, and create a little bit of story to go along with them, and it's an absolute blast. I'm having a great time joining in with them and um, just getting to add a little bit to that. And also, it's... um, challenging me and my painting skills greatly uh, because I am not the world's best miniature painter, but I have an absolute blast while I'm painting them. And um, so I'm having to learn a few different techniques to try and do a little bit better to measure up and learning about true scaling space marines, which is a whole nother thing in and of itself. I wrote up a blog about it, but the short version of True Scaling a Space Marine, for those of you who aren't too bored yet and are still listening to this podcast, bless you and thank you. Um, the concept of True Scaling a Space Marine is that Warhammer, when they actually release their Space Marines, for whatever reason, their Space Marines are about the exact same size as their regular Imperial Guard. Now, if you've read Warhammer 40k books, you know that Space Marines are like eight foot tall and imposing bulking, brutal forms that supposedly the very sight of them inspires dread in a normal person. Imperial Guard are normal, everyday people who are not necessarily super tall or short. They're just regular people who go out with their laser gun to try and fight off the enemies of humanity. Um, But for whatever reason... um, the Warhammer people made them basically the same size in the models. So a bunch of um, model enthusiasts started doing what they call true scaling, which is to cut and splice the Space Marine and add extra parts to it and extra plastic to it and make it into a true scale model of what a Space Marine should be compared to the Imperial Guard characters that they release. And this uh, project online, the War of the False Primarch, um, they're all true scalers. And so that is pushing me to 
learn how to true scale and try my hand at it, which has been so much fun. Um, and somewhere along the line, I also bought a fleet of Warhammer 40k miniature battleships. So I'm going to be painting those and putting those to use as well. Um, so it's, y'all, it's been a lot of fun. That's just been a nifty little thing. It's distracting me a little bit from reading and it's taken up some of my reading time, but it's got me writing again. It's got me painting and creating. And like I said, this is all about fun and what brings some joy. And that definitely does bring some joy. Um, but that is the majority of what's going on with my reading and with my painting. Um, I have uh, applied to be a part of something. And I won't know whether I got selected yet or not, but it's something I'm excited about. So whether I get selected or not, I do want to go ahead and just tell you all a little bit about it before um, this episode comes to a close. And many of y'all are aware of the um, self-published uh, fantasy um, book uh, blog-off, or SPFBO, um, Spiffbo. Uh, what it is, is basically that was started by Mark Lawrence six years ago. They're on their seventh year right now where basically each year they take 10 bloggers <clears throat> and uh, those 10 bloggers take 300 submissions of, of self-published fantasy books. And uh, each group gets 30 books and they work through the round, first round of 30 and eliminate 29 of those 30 books, then pass on one book into the semifinals. Um, and each group will read that last book you know, and review that last book. And out of that last group is uh, picked one winner each year, which has been great. I mean, absolutely great for self-published fantasy books. Um, I mean, nothing's without some controversy and there's always some naysayers and all that. But when you look at it, the, the overall effect has been extremely positive and extremely wonderful. Um, and each year, so many join in with so much expectations, and it's a blast to be able to follow along. Um, the uh, um, the the ten semifinalists always get a ton more attention than they would have otherwise, and see a bump. But also, the two hundred ninety others that submit to it, several of them also report bumps in their sales and attention and it's really shown a bright spotlight on these amazing stars in the sky. Um, well, this was for fantasy books. So this past year, some people got, you know, got a little louder about, hey, why don't we do something like this, but for science fiction books. So the um, science fiction, the self-published science fiction blog off is going to be launching soon. Um, we'll get you some official hashtags and all that sort of stuff. I did apply to be one of the 10 bloggers to be a part of that. I don't know if I'll be accepted yet or not, but you know, whether I'm accepted or not, uh, I'll be definitely cheering them on regardless from the sidelines, because I think this is a marvelous thing. that's going to shine some great light on some amazing self-published science fiction books that deserve some attention. The basic premise is the same. 
um, right now at least. Things might change because it's going to be the first time that they ever do it, but the original thought is look for 10 blog sites and uh, 300 self-published science fiction books. Each group gets 30 books, and then they read through that and pass along one. Now, that might change. There's some blog sites that are talking about joining up, and um, that way they have groups of readers and uh, might increase the number of books allowed in or whatnot. But that's one of those. We'll kind of see how it pans out as it develops. And I'll be back soon to give you more information on it. But I'm just so excited about it. I just want to go ahead and share kind of the early stages. Um, by mid-June, we should know the blogs that are going to be a part of it. And then I think by July, the submissions will be open for um, self-published science fiction authors. So if you are a self-published sci-fi author out there, um, get your books ready for submission. And if you're a blogger out there that's excited by this, wants to join in, let me know. I'll get you the um, information on how to apply to be a part of it too. Um, because, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun, y'all, and I really am excited about it. Uh, if selected, that will seal up my um, TBR for the year. I'm just going to throw out there. If not selected, I'll still have some space for some other books um, to read um, that are already, my TBR stack is already quite high, as you can imagine. Um, having two kids instead of one can greatly decrease the amount of time you have to read and then working on Warhammer 40k minis as well. But I can also safely say, y'all, that um, my wife and I's two children are the greatest joys of our life. They truly are. Um, they are healthy and happy and just wonderful, wonderful little babies. And uh, I know we love them with all of our hearts. And uh, y'all, family is the most important thing in this world. So um, whether that is the family you are born with or whether that is the family you find along the way and just hold on tight to the loved ones in your life, give them an extra hug and just let some love go ahead and spread because y'all, we could all use a little bit more of that in our lives. I know we could. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to go ahead and record back an episode of the podcast is just to let you know that um, we're still here. We're still moving right along. And um, you, the listener, are still so greatly appreciated. Um, that's uh, the fact that y'all are willing to go ahead and just allow me to join you for a little bit of time of your life is a wonderful gift, which I don't take for granted and I'm very thankful for. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in this world. Um, some of it um, good, some of it bad, some of it scary, some of it encouraging. Um, but let me say this, and I was, I was relaying this to a friend, and um, it just it, when I did, then it reminded me, and I relate it to another friend. One of the things I know that a lot of us want to do is we want to try and help change the world. Um, as y'all remember from a few episodes ago, I want a better world. I, I truly want a better world. I look out and I see what the world looks like, and I want my children to grow up in a better world with less prejudice, with less racism, with less hatred, with less intolerance, with more love, with more acceptance, 
with more reaching out to those that are perceived as others and drawing people together, finding either common ground or finding the ability to respect and appreciate differences, even in the midst, if you can't find that common ground, find a way to respect that difference um, and have less hate and intolerance. So I agree that wanting that and fighting for that and trying to find ways to bring that about can be very discouraging and it can be easy to lose heart and feel beaten down and you don't see the change in the world or you saw a small change and then things seem to rush back and you feel like you're punching water. The number one effective method of transformation of others is always lifestyle and personal living in front of others, setting standards and showing others your life. Now, this is not to discourage you from trying to change the world. Vote, write, speak out, um, speak up, take stands. That's great. But know also this, that the biggest changes that sometimes you'll ever see are some of the smallest ones. And those are the ones that take place in the hearts and lives and minds of those around you. And one of the reasons why that is, is it doesn't always matter what you say. It matters what you live. And those who are around you can see the life that you're living and see the passion you have for a better world. And that can affect change in their hearts and in their lives. I say that and I know it's true because I know how those who are in my life help affect change inside my heart and my mind and help open my eyes to things inside my life that needed to change and be transformed. Um, And I'm forever thankful for those friends and family who, because of the life that they lived in front of me and because of the love that they poured into me, helped me be able to see and what needed to change and be able to have that courage to make those changes. So sometimes you might not see the world change, but if you look for it and you're open with those who are around you, you might see their lives change. And then you don't know whose lives might change as a result of those lives changing. And then the next wave of lives changing and then the next wave of lives changing Because people care more about how you live. They want to see that authenticity. They want to see that truth inside you. And when you show that, those who are around you can see that. Those who are around you can change. And then before you realize it, you might change one person. But you never know. That one person might go on to change a thousand people. And they might go on to change another ten thousand people. So don't be discouraged. If you are truly trying to effect a positive change... Those who know you and respect you and see you, they understand it and you're changing their lives. And then those people are going on and changing other people's lives. So you are having a difference. I don't want you to feel discouraged. Um, Now, uh, like I said, this episode is kind of a roundabout episode of where we are. And, you know, where we are in the world also deserves to be talked about. So uh, that brings this to a close, since we've covered books, we've covered Warhammer 40k, we've covered parenting, and we've covered changing the world. 
I think that's a pretty good point to go ahead and end the episode. I've missed being able to talk with all y'all. Um, go ahead and please be sure to give me some feedback and uh, conversation. You can find me either on via email at redstarreviews at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Red Star Reviews. You can find me on Facebook under Red Star Reviews. You can find me on Twitter under Red Star Reviews. And if you just want to start talking Warhammer 40K minis, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Red Star 40K. Um, but uh, do find me. Give me a message so we can talk. And I hope all y'all are doing well. And... Um, that things are going well for you, because I know it's been some difficult times. Hopefully things are on the up and up, but even if they're not, we can still find some good and some positivity to look at and to try and gain encouragement from. Um, So that's all I have for this episode. I wish y'all all the best and I appreciate you. Thank you very much.